Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. But I'm saying it and I'm playing it down. Can't get out of this mood. Heartbreak. Here I come. Can't get out of this mood. Hey, it's Steve Balton. Welcome back to My Turning Point. This week, Sage Baba and I spoke with Samara Joy, Grammy-winning Best New Artist. Really enjoyable conversation with Samara, who's just one of those people who loves life and is enjoying all of her success right now, as she should. So a lot of fun to speak with her. Hope you enjoy this one as much as we did. Cool, I'm just turning this on. And before we officially get started, oh, wow. Yeah, you win for the day, Case. I am in rainy Long Beach, California, where it's raining all day. And let me introduce you to the amazing Sage Melcher, who is a uh, jazz singer out of New York and does interviews with me. And she's in upstate New York, where it's freaking freezing as well. So at least of the three of us, <laughs> you win the day by far. Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, not definitely. I'm glad you guys get to be on solid ground. You know, this uh, singing while swaying is no joke. <laughs> Um, <laughs> right. You're headed to the Bahamas, you said? Yes, that's the um the last the last day of the cruise. They were gonna be ported in the Bahamas. Wow, wait, are you a big boat person in general? Say it again? Are you a big boat person in general? Are you a big boat fan? This is my first cruise. Um, so I definitely had to stack up on um patches like for behind my ears and stuff like that, uh, patches, but in like, this feels, you know, it's big enough that you don't really feel it rocking too badly. Um, so I guess I could, I could, I could see myself becoming a boat person after this. I love it. It's one of my favorite things to do. A really good friend of mine out here who manages like a bunch of estates and everything has a yacht. And that's just one of my favorite things. It's like the only place where it's like totally at peace. Cause you know, if you're in the air, you're bumping yep. up and down and stuff, but you know. All right, so wait, we're, we're going to jump into, there's so much to ask you about, and I don't want to take up too much of your time. Neither one of us does, but um, 
look, because it's funny, I just had this conversation with Damien Marley about his reggae cruise. So you're on a jazz cruise. Yeah. You're putting together your own dream jazz cruise. Who are the five people, living or dead, who are on your jazz cruise? Oh. Oh, man. Okay. And it's not, okay. This is not including their bands. It's just like, like leaders, like names. Yeah. Boom. Well, you can also name like the era of band that you want to include. Hmm. Okay. I would say I definitely would want Axe Roach, Zimmer. I would see the Duke Ellington Orchestra. I would want to see, I guess, Lynn. We'll keep, we'll keep, we'll keep Bride. <laughs> um, and the last two, Town Basie Orchestra and Carmen McRae. Just like that. Oh, that would be such a great time. Wow. <laughs> I like the fact that you represent both different eras and, and different sizes of bands. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love it. <laughs> I wish I could act more. I What's would that? love to put that together. In my dreams, I would love to be a part of something like that. But this is no, I mean, this is, there's a lot of um, really... Uh, Experienced, you know, you have a, a, a good combination of really experienced and, and um, seasoned musicians, as well as like people within, you know, my age range. And we can kind of connect outside of the city and kind of be that uh, stuck together. Sequestered <laughs> might be a better <laughs> word, but uh, just here all together in one place versus being, you know, either on tour and we're all separated and we, we don't really have time to cross paths. Um, but here we're all together. It's just really been, it's really been nice. Cool. All right. And then Sage, I'm going to let you ask a question in one second, but I just want to get this last one in. It's funny because since we're talking about this, so we were both reading up on interviews with you last night. So I'm not going Mm -hmm. to ask you how you found out about the Grammy nomination because you've already answered that many times. But since we're talking about dream people, one of the things the Grammys are known for is their iconic duets. So who would you want to do your Grammy duet with and man, I'd love to see you switch it up and do it. It's funny because I just talked to Ozzy Osbourne and we talked about his, I'd love to see you do something totally out of the realm of jazz. And I don't know if you and Ozzy would work, although I love that dude, but you know, who would be that dream one that would just be fun. Dream duet on the Grammys. Phew. I would have to say, I would love to sing with like either Patty the Bell or Luther Vandross or somebody like share the stage with, with one of the great singers. And I guess that counts for, for living, you know, and, and somebody who's passed on Luther Vandross, but I'm a fan of, I'm a big fan of both of them. Nice. Say it all you. All right. So lovely to get to chat with you. Such a fan. And um, this music that you're bringing into our generation, I feel like you're just doing it in this um, really wonderful way where you're paying homage to the classics, but of course, just fully making it your own with your own intuition and your own um, power. And it's been amazing to watch that all unfold. And I can't believe that you said you only started singing jazz when you were 18. Um, I saw that in an NPR interview. Um, And I know that you were like probably singing since you were born with all of these different genres growing up with. And I'm curious what that was like to find jazz at 18. Was it um, really 
this transformational thing overnight. You said, I'm going to go all in on jazz and study this and create this. Um, what was that like? Uh, the end of high school, um, towards the end of high school, I was a part of um, a jazz band. It was kind of like an elective more than it was um, a part of, you know, the curriculum and everything. Um, and the professor at the time, the, the teacher over um, the, the instrumental, the band program, um, asked me if I wanted to sing a couple of songs with the jazz band. And so um, I agreed. I was like, I don't really know anything about this, but um, I want to sing. I love to sing. I'm, like you said, I've been surrounded by singers and, and musicians all my life through my family and, and through their influences and through, you know, the songs that, that they, meaning my parents and my family, love to listen to. Um, but it was time to go to college and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I wasn't sure if music was uh, a standard. I wasn't, I wasn't sure if music would have been a stable choice for me to pursue. Um, and I just didn't feel like I was like, I, I love gospel. I love R and B. I love soul. Maybe I could see myself in those genres, but like still I haven't found something that I felt like, like I could do like where I could tell my story in a unique way, you know, that maybe nobody else, that maybe, because like inherently we all have our own voices. And so, you know, I can't copy anybody or imitate anybody as much as I would like, I guess, try, you know, as everybody has their own unique artistry that you have to share with the world. And so it's like, what, 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 uh, uh, vein or what lane, you know, what, what is my thing, you know? Um, and so I auditioned, um, we were required, I was in this program, um, and we were required to, uh, we were required to apply um, at the end of our high school career, apply for six state schools. Um, and so SUNY Purchase was one of the schools that I chose and I auditioned. I saw they had a wonderful jazz voice program. I knew two jazz songs, at really only one. Um, and I used that one to audition and, and get in. <laughs> and um, and the, the head of the conservatory at the time um, his name is Pete Malinverney. He was really, really kind to me, you know, during the audition and everything and the whole process and emailed me later on saying, you know, thank you so much for your audition. We would love for you to, you know, be a part of this program. And I was like, I don't know, you know, cause the next four years, you know, at the time it just seemed so scary, you know, it seemed so big. It's like, Oh, the next four years determines the rest of my life and I have to make the right choice or else everything is just, everything's <laughs> doomed from here, you know? Um, at least that's the way that it felt. So I was like, but I know I want to keep music in my life. So I'm going to go for it. And it turned out to be the best, the best decision for me, you know? Um, so that's how it happened. Wow. That's amazing. And um, what was your favorite part of that? Those four years of, um, I'm sure there's many, great memories, but what was one of your favorites in your relationship to this music and your like finding your own voice in it? Mm. My favorite moment. Or an experience. One of my favorite. Mm -hmm. mm. One of my favorite experiences I purchased. Um, I think, I mean, all of my, all of my uh, formative uh, um, experiences being at purchase, they, it happened like I just happened, I guess, to be in the right, the right class because I met so many friends that I'm still friends with now who are just 
so passionate about music and they were really open to like the questions that I had because I was so new and green. I was just like, I'm, I'm not sure, you know, I want to, I want to catch up, I guess, because I already felt behind and it was my first year, um, at, like my freshman year. Um, but I think my favorite experience, I guess, is just being around my friends. We were all staying up late, arranging together, writing, doing assignments and stuff like that. It were just like, you know, my teachers were, of course, very helpful and very, you know, supportive and they were generous with their time as they're working professionals as well. Um, but yeah, I think in every, every experience that I can think of, you know, it's, it's made even more uh, special and memorable because of the friends that I had who, um, who helped me, you know, when I did, when I felt kind of like I wasn't um, up to par with everybody else. Yeah, I love that because it's funny. Uh, Sage and I interviewed Robert Glasper a couple months ago, or yeah, I guess it was well last month, and we were talking about this. And look, man, I mean, <laughs> the end of the day, it's all about who the experience is with. The experience itself yeah. matters way less than who you do it with. And I love the fact that you figured that out all right for you. Was there that one moment where you realized, look, like, for example, Grammys. I've been to 8,000 Grammy Awards. I don't remember a single one. They blur together. But I can tell you who I was there with. Yeah. (laughs) So for you, was there that one moment early on where you realized that, look, it's about the company and it's not about the, you know. Oh, man. Well, the first, I think our, our first assignment um, as freshmen, we had to like pair up. What did we have to do? We had to pair up and we had to choose like maybe three songs, um, like three songs from like, like different records to listen to. And, um, I guess talk about it, you know, talk about what makes it special, talk about the arrangement, you know, talk about the musicians who are playing. And so I remember, um, all of us, we were just new to meeting each other, but within the first week, we were all like hanging out and talking about music and like taking notes from each other, being like, oh, I didn't notice that. I didn't hear that. But now that I'm, now that you say that, now that you mentioned that, you know, you've opened, you've opened up my ears to listening to music in a way that I hadn't, I hadn't even thought of before. So I guess that, yeah, that's my first memorable experience. It's freshman year, our first assignment as a class. <laughs> So is there one song of those three that really stood out to you or were you like, and that's one of the interesting things. And Sage mentioned making the music your own. And look, Mm -hmm. music only works. It doesn't matter how old a song is. It only works if the person brings their own feeling to it. So was there that Mm -hmm. one song early on for you where you realized that it had relevance and that you could make it speak to you in 2021, 2020, whenever it was? Because again, you take Mm -hmm. a song like embraceable you you take a song like my girl you take a song it doesn't matter what it is what makes a great i just did a book called anthems we love about some of the greatest songs of all time where i talked with all these iconic artists what makes the song work Mm -hmm. is the way that other people take it into their life so is there one song for you early on where you realized okay this stuff speaks to me now Hmm. that's a good question well when I had listened to, um, I think one of the assignments from one of the songs from that assignment um, that we ended up choosing was Nancy Wilson uh, singing "Save Your Love for Me" with uh, with uh, Cannonball Adderley, um, and I remember listening to it. I remember listening to her, and it's like, of course, it's 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 a a beautiful song on its own. But when you hear the original recording versus hers, 
you know, which are, are years apart, you're like, yeah, you know, it's, it really depends on who the interpreter is, what, what that person, but it, it brings the song off, off paper and, and it brings it to life, you know? Um, and so that's why I guess it's fun with jazz. Of course we sing the melody, but then the second or third chorus of us singing it, we experiment with it and we, you know, change it a little bit. We, we add changes or we, you know, um, change the phrasing up. So it's not exactly as written because if we sing it exactly as written, it loses, you know, <laughs> you know, it just, it's like, you know, there's nothing more being done about it to bring it, um, to make it, I guess, contemporary at all. Um, so it's like you take the, the good foundation of a song, but then you put it in the hands of a Nancy Wilson or you put it in the hands of a Sarah Vaughan and it comes to life in their interpretation of it because they sing it, you know, it's the same song, but they, you know, bring it to life in different ways and add their own emotional, um, emotional fuel, I guess, into it, you know, to, to connect with the audience and make it real. Well, cool. Sage, I'm going to let you jump in, especially because you can actually speak to that as a vocalist who sings these songs. That's one of my favorite things about you is just the clarity of emotion and clarity of thought. I think it's so easy to want to take these songs and like make them your own and do all these crazy things. Was it always like your conviction of like, I'm going to just stay really true to the lyric and the melody and not, not go too crazy. Or did you have to go too far in the deep end and then come back as far as um, vocally just going all over the place? Cause I feel like that's, it's so easy to do that and a common thing for this music in this day and age. Well, I, when I took my first jazz voice lesson um, at purchase, my teacher, um, her name's Alexis Cole. She's like, I love your voice. You know, you have a beautiful resonance, but stylistically, you know, um, it needs some work because in order to sing jazz, a lot of singers, it's like, it doesn't sound like you listen to jazz. And I don't mean in like a, a corny sense, you know, like it just literally sounds like you've never heard what jazz sounds like. And so you're trying to approach a song from a place that isn't really informed. So like, um, I felt like I started from an uninformed place. You know, it was just, you know, what I, the music that I grew up on, the singers that I was listening to is a good start because, you know, I feel like it was better for me, honestly, to like, you know, have those influences on how like a Layla Hathaway sings and, and, and adds emotion to a song, how a Luther Vandross sings, how, um, how people like the Isley brothers sing and, and, you know, have those songs and have those uh, ideas of what, um, of what uh, interpreting lyrics sound like. Um, and then adding this next level, I guess, of, of listening to um, listening to a Betty Carter versus an Ella Fitzgerald and hearing just stylistically, even though maybe they come from the same uh, foundation of like singing with, you know, big bands and stuff like that, what they did with their artistry as they progressed um, stylistically. So, um, I think that with me, I just, I, I started and I was like, I don't, I, this is how I think it sounds like, but I honestly, I don't listen to jazz. So I don't know what it is. Um, but then as I started listening to more musicians and singers, like listening to musicians who took standards and wrote their own melodies on top of it. And then from that, they wrote their own compositions because they had that foundation of playing standards. Um, and they progressed and they kind of carried it forward. That's kind of, I guess how I did. I, I started 
not really knowing what it sounded like. And then um, eventually straightened up a little bit. <laughs> and so now I was like, I have to have uh, integrity for the melody I sing, whether it's a great American songbook standard or whether it's an Abby Lincoln song, sing the melody. And then, you know, as you get comfortable with it and as you know, you know, where you're starting from, as you know, the foundation of the song, then you can think of ways to change it in a way that's musical and uh, original to you. Beautiful. I'd love to know more about the process of making that first album. Um, like when you decided that you were going to choose these songs and when you decided Matt Pearson was going to be the person to, to help see this through. Um, I think you were still in at purchase during that time. Yes, I was a senior still um, at SUNY Purchase and I met Matt when I was doing the Saravon competition. Um, and he said that we, you know, he introduced himself after, of course, after the competition, it was like, we should get together, we should work together. Um, and then, and then um, pandemic. And so I didn't really, uh, for the, the last couple of months of my junior year, there was no movement on that front. Like, you know, I was supposed to play Newport, it had been canceled, um, as well as a lot of other things. And so I was just focused on finishing my senior year. I wasn't you know, I definitely had no intentions of making an album um, until he approached me about it again um, in my senior year. And, you know, I didn't I didn't know what to make of it, but I was like, OK, fine. <laughs> there's no there's no way to lose now. You know, um, during this time, no real big uh, expectations of it being successful or not. So why not try? Um, and um, so we recorded it in October of 2020, released it in July of 2021. Um, and, uh, it ended up being definitely a good first start, you know, to establishing, I guess, my name and getting people to, to know me or like come to shows and stuff like that. And I made it, I made it just based off of, because there was no, uh, expectations of being, certainly I wasn't thinking that it was going to be a big hit. <laughs> I was just like, you know, let's, let's record, you know, something, something good that documents where I am right now. Um, and so I just, I picked songs that I loved at that time. And I wanted to, um, I wanted to document. It's like I'd already been adding them to my shows, and so I wanted to play them, you know, on the record. That's all. It's very simple at that point. <laughs> cool. I'm going to do two more questions, and then let Sage wrap up. But one, it's interesting because we just did an interview, Sage and I did with Terry Lynn Carrington the other day, which was amazing. And one of the things we discussed was, you know, her Grammy success and what that means for, like, for example, she's being honored by PE. And what that means for the genre. And for you, being nominated for Best New Artist, I told you, I'm not asking you how you found out. But what does that mean for you for jazz as a genre? Because in general, like she said, it's a very small percentage of what actually gets recognized. So for you, as someone who loves the music, how cool is it to be able to be an ambassador for it? I am... <laughs> and definitely, It's definitely a surreal feeling. And it... I'm definitely honored, I guess, to be the ambassador uh, chosen at this particular moment uh, to represent um, the music that I love so much. And I think um, that it just shows, I mean, the the diversity in, in the best new artist genre this year, it just goes to show, you know, that when more musicians are involved, more, you know, artists are involved in like the voting process and everything like that, then that's what you get. You know, you don't get, um, you get the, 
the variety that is actually represented in the world, you know, and not just, you know, this is the Grammy, so we only like such and such and such, what's popular and everything else is just kind of put to the side. Um, so it's good to see the variety that we already, or at least I already, you know, have in my music life, you know, as far as what I listen to, um, represented, you know, in such a, in such an important um music you know the world's biggest what is it on the the, the world's biggest and greatest <laughs> night in music so an organized and, and great greatest organization in music so um it's really special to me all right wait it's funny because actually uh i'm doing something with monskin in like two weeks they've become friends they're freaking crazy but in a really fun way i love wet lag <laughs> i mean it's a great category so who for you would be the dream person to work with out of this or that one person that you're like yeah Mm. I think it would be very cool either either Money Long or Domi and JD Beck probably for me. I think either either of those collaborations might be really um know, be really cool. Something that I don't normally do, but I'm open to it. <laughs> All right, cool. Last two quick questions. One, give us one sentence on New York Winter Jazz Fest because we will both be at the show on Monday. I fly in on Sunday and we'll be there on Monday. Oh, shoot. Okay, one sentence for Winter Jazz Fest. Hmm. A showcase for... it. it oh, I have to give, do a complete sentence. Excuse me. It'll be, <laughs> it'll be a showcase of... Great American Songbook Standards, as well as jazz compositions and run-on sentence, um, there will be a possible collaboration with Julius Rodriguez. <laughs> nice. And then last question, then Sage, I'll yield. But, because I'm doing for Forbes a holiday gift guide for Valentine's Day, most romantic jazz albums. What's your most romantic jazz album? Ooh. Most romantic jazz album. I would say... Mm, well, the one I'm thinking of is kind of sad. So let me, let me, let me, oh, uh, either, either, oh, which one, which one? Maybe, maybe uh, John Coltrane Ballads. That's pretty romantic. His Ballads album. And you can never go wrong with Coltrane. Say it, Jolly. I would love to know um, what, what's the next dream project for you? What's, the next thing that you're most excited about? Is it a lot more writing of your own music? Is it in collaborating with some greats that are already out there? What's next for Samara that she's super excited about? Ooh, okay. Well, in addition, you know, to, to um, writing some of my own music, um, my own music and my own lyrics and things like that. Just exploring that side of myself because I'm not, I don't really consider myself a singer, a singer songwriter, you know, um, but um, yes, we're looking forward to writing my own music and lyrics um, and exploring that on the next project, as well as collaborating with my family. I did a holiday tour with them um, at the end of December for Christmas. Um, and from me, I think I was the youngest grandchild on the tour to my grandfather who's 92 years old. He sang with us on one of the nights. Um, I, I think it's a very important that I share um, with everybody, you know, that 
where I come from, you know, where my roots in music stem from. Everybody in my family sings. My dad, you know, sings and plays electric bass. They're all musicians. They're all creatives. And to highlight them, you know, as my inspirations in front of everybody, you know, to, to put that on display is really, it's really important to me. And the show and the tours went so well. Every show, every show was sold out. Everybody really enjoyed it. So I'm hoping to do that more often in the future. And hopefully it will materialize into a holiday album. Yeah. I can't wait to hear more of your music. Yeah. Jazz and beyond. Yes, thank you so much. Yeah. All right, Cole, Sage, if you want to do one last question, then I lied. I have one more question, but Sage, you go, and then I'll just... Oh, well, here, while you're doing your... Or getting your last question ready, I, I was an English major. Sage is a voracious reader. I sent her, like, four books for Christmas. I saw you said in the interview with Steve Hockman, who I've known since 1878, because we both worked together at the LA Times, uh, for this been day in the life piece that you've been reading a lot more. What have you been reading of late that really has inspired you? And more importantly, what are you reading that's inspiring you lyrically? Ooh. Well, the most recent book that I've gotten uh, is called The Defining Decade about uh, being in your 20s. I've been feeling, uh, especially with the pandemic, that I <laughs> missed the chance to tell people that I'm 21 and 22. And so it's like, all of a sudden, I'm almost 24 now. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, things are moving pretty fast, but also um, it's, there's no, uh, there's no um, rush to finish everything that I've ever wanted to accomplish before I'm 30. Like, you know, there you have, you have time, you know, and these are important years, but at the same time, um, don't pressure yourself, you know, too much or put so many expectations on yourself that you end up not being happy, you know? So, um, the defining decade, and I just finished reading, um, this book called Homegoing by Yagi Ozzy. Um, and it really, I mean, it's probably one of the, my, the, one of my favorites, um, from the past couple of months because, she just, with her work, like I admire writers so much because there are certain things that I want to say in my lyrics and, and the way that I want to say them. Um, I know the, I know the feeling that I want to get and I know the message that I want to send, but then when I read, you know, poems or I read, you know, writers like Yagi Ozzy or like Isabel Wilkerson, um, I'm just like, there's no hope for me. <laughs> it's just too good. But um, yeah, you know, just the way that they, they, use imagery, the way that they use metaphors to bring across this message. I'm just like, I wish, I, I want so badly, you know, to be a good writer and to be a good uh, lyricist and to be able to um, uh, convey, you know, lyrics that sends, send a message without necessarily putting it in everybody's face. So, and this is my favorites. The Warmth of Other Suns, Isabel Wilkerson, Homegoing by Yagi Yazi, and The Defining Decade, I think her name is Amy J. All right, well, quickly... And then Sage, you're going to wrap up, but who's that lyricist for you that does that? Who's that lyricist that, you know, like when you hear it and for me as a writer, it's that feeling when I hear something and I'm like, fuck, I wish I had written that. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is, man. It's like when you hear it, write something and you're just like, damn, I could have thought of that, but you know, I didn't. Man. Yeah. And there's one, there's one song I actually recorded on Linger a while um, it's already, I guess, popular in the jazz world. It's called Round Midnight by Thelonious Monk. But I didn't know um, that there were lyrics um, written to it by John Hendricks, um, who was known for being like, he was known for writing lyrics to solos um, and melodies, you know, popular uh, jazz melodies and, and 
you know, bassy stuff and everything like that. Um, but when I heard his lyrics, like just from the first, the first line of the, the verse of Round Midnight, he wrote, a pale and lonely moon lights the sky in the dark before the dawn. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> the whole yeah. song is just so beautiful. Like I wish that I could like conjure up that, you know, that image for people whenever I write. And so, yeah. I guess he's one of my favorites right now, mostly because of that song. But Abby Lincoln is another one that I really love. So. Yeah. Yeah, I love that feeling, though, as a fan, when you hear that and mm-hmm. you're just like, damn it. Like, yeah, it's inspiring. <laughs> it's both inspiring yeah. and frustrating. Yes. Oh, yes. Because I just like, I have so many notes in my in my in my journal, you know, trying to just, cause I want to take my time with it. I want to, I want it to be, you know, a fun process of searching a research kind of process and that kind of thing. But I just get, I just close it. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to listen to music to feel better about myself now because <laughs> I can tell this is going to be a while, but, but I'm, I'm excited about the journey. I am. Cool. Sage, you want to finish it off? Yeah. I'd love to know what artists right now in the contemporary space that you love whether they be singer-songwriters or in jazz. Um, yeah, I'd love to know, especially in jazz, who who are your peers that, that you're really loving on right now? Well, I definitely have a lot of love for Cecile McLaurin-Salvant and Jasmine Horn, um, who I both, you know, have had the, have the pleasure of knowing, you know, personally, but or get, at least getting to know personally. Um, but I admire both of their uh, approaches to jazz, you know, and approaches to, you know, expressing themselves through their own music, you know, through standards, um, but also um, but also through their, their original compositions and their arrangements. Like they're both, I consider them like singer musicians because, you know, they are. It is, they're the whole, the whole package as far as artists go. And so, um, yeah, I admire, I admire their artistry. I admire their musicianship. I admire um, their performance style, you know, the way that they are, the way that they present themselves, everything. Cool. I think, Sage, do you have any more questions? Because if you probably got time for one more, then we got to jump. Because I'm sure that, well, I don't know what the hell you do for fun on a boat, but yeah. I mean, I know what I do for fun <laughs> on a boat, but you know, I, I wouldn't be on a cruise for days. Oh, man. Well, have you gotten good at poker? Probably. I feel like there's got to be time for poker. There's a casino for sure, but I, I don't, I stay away from that. I stay <laughs> away from that. I just go to the pool and I go to other shows. So we have like a huge itinerary of music and stuff. Cool. Sage, you want to wrap up last one? Yeah. Well, I absolutely love the Guess Who I Saw Today music video. It's so wonderful and chills. Um, The, I love it. It's so classic, of course, but there's this like slight modern edge, like visually. And I Mm -hmm. wonder, is this something that you are going to get your hands dirty with? Like exploring bringing even in the music more modern elements or right now you want to stay as true as you can be to what this jazz um, playing homage to to the old is. Mm -hmm. Well, I think jazz as a music is naturally progressive. Like, you know, it's artists, it's musicians, it's singers, 
they all grew, you know, like Charlie Parker, if he, you know, Charlie Parker, Dizzy Gillespie, hearing those names, you think of at least Dizzy Gillespie, at least he um, experienced a couple of different eras of music and through all of them, he grew and he got, you know, he expanded as a musician. So expanded, um, I guess, I don't want to say away from standards, but, you know, they, they all, what I noticed about jazz is they, all the, all the people that I look up to um, had a foundation, had a solid foundation in what jazz was to them at that time. Um, and then they grew and they found their, their own artistic voice. They, they had their own repertoire and, um, and stayed true to jazz in their own way. So um, I think that the nature of jazz is like, I'm not going to be singing songbook standards forever, you know, cause that's not what it's meant for. I don't think, I think, that the model that we've been giving through all these artists is that we change and we grow with the music as we listen to it and as we grow. And if you aren't, then, um, then you're not changing and that's bad. <laughs> so, um, I think, I think, in a, or if you're not like expanding your repertoire and not, you know, searching for different ways to grow as an artist, um, then you're not moving, you know, you're just kind of staying stagnant, which is not what jazz is. So, um, I think that, uh, it's, it's, I think it's natural, you know, to, to, to grow. I'm sorry. I lost, <laughs> you said, yeah, I lost what you said originally. <laughs> no, that the first, I, first thing. Yeah. Um, it was just a, a question of like bringing more modern elements with modern elements. Okay. Let me get myself together here. Modern elements. Yeah. I think that, um, I can't help but to, because I don't live in the same time as Sarah Vaughan. I don't live in the same time as Ella Fitzgerald. And so I can't, I, I don't know if I can approach things the same way that they can, because I'm just living a different life. You know, we're in a different time now. So um, I think without trying to force it, you know, there, it's just natural that me, my perspective as a 23 year old now um, is going to reflect modern elements and reflect, you know, my surroundings and, you know, the music that I love and listen to. So, yeah, that's that's the plan. More visuals, more more good music to come. I can't wait. Thank you cool. so. Much. Thank you so much. We'll uh, thank you. We'll see you on Monday at the show in New York, and we're both looking forward to it. Yeah. Thank you so so much for doing this. Uh, yeah. Enjoy the cruise. That's such a like weird way to start off 2023. I feel not a bad way, but just like a you know, yeah, <laughs> unusual first gig. Very unusual. Very unusual. Oh. Cool. <laughs> Thanks so much. Uh, great yeah. talking to you. Sage, hang out for a second, and we will see you on Monday. See you on Monday. Thanks. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Hey, it's Steve Balton. Thanks for joining Sage Bava and I as we spoke with Samara Joy. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.